After a much-needed rest and some quality time between themselves, the party convened once more on the next morning to decide their course of action, where Lyrian proposed that he and Saren would then branch off on their own to carry out Vale's task. In the middle of it all, however, Mick surprised everyone by ingesting the contents of a Lycle, infusing themselves temporarily with essence, and performing a scrying spell, calling forth the image of their quarry, Vamak Nugalanath. As everyone is staring at this image of Vamak, and Mick comes out of their trance that they had been in for the period of casting, you see a small scene play out in front of you. This vision that you're peering into follows Vamok around 10 feet away from him, wherever he goes, and you can hear every word that he speaks. He seems to be in some sort of underground cave, but the walls are etched and carved and well-lit, so probably some constructed complex. Walking beside him is a veiling, a mix between a human and a kin carrying all sorts of documents and a torch alongside. And the veiling looks up at Vamak and he says, Master, it is not meat that we should move so quickly. If we are to become detected in any way, I fear the worst. And what do you fear more? That we are discovered? Or what will happen to you if you do not obey me? No, no, Master, of course. We would never go against your wishes. But... I'm just saying with the current pace that we are trying to keep, it is likely that someone is to stumble upon our activities here. Keep to the schedule. Do as I say. And allow me to worry about any prying eyes. Yes. Yes, Master, of course. And this veiling, who is a bit deformed, now that you get a clear look at him as he hobbles off, carrying this stack of papers and whatnot, and Vamok continues along this corridor for a couple minutes, twisting and turning. He drops some things off in a small alcove, where it seems there are some other bits and pieces, scrolls and whatnot, and then he continues, coming to two large sets of brass doors that are already open, and as he steps into a larger, wider chamber that, again, you can still only see uh, a bit around him, not too much further, you do see that there is a an excavation of sorts going on. You catch glimpses of scaffolding and bits and pieces of debris and rubble, things that have been cleared away, and you notice more of these veilings and some humans as well sweeping and scraping away at the stone as Vamak walks by. Eventually, he comes to the bottom of a set of stairs, and he drops down on one knee. And then you hear a voice emanating from just up said stairs, and it goes, Vamak, you may rise. And he does so. Tell me, dear friend, what progress is there? On the northern tunnels. The progress is substantial. And have you found anything? Not yet, but we are getting close. Yes. I can feel it. I feel it too. 
It is unfortunate, however, that you are losing touch. Losing touch, you say? Are you in reference to the beings who are currently observing me? I do speak to that. And that you have allowed them to stray so far within our halls is greatly disappointing. It is of no consequence. I know who it is who spies on me. I have traveled with them. They will not be a problem. Are you looking at the little invisible sensor at this point? Yeah, at this point, Vamak has turned his head and he's like, he's delivering a very deliberate message. Should they come for me, only one thing will meet them. It is a challenge that all mortals fail. The challenge of death. We shall see how strong they are. But unless they have taken heed to my parting words to them. Vamak, I fear this is too personal for you. Continue here, and you see the figure of a woman pass behind Vamak, ever so slightly in the darkness, and then her voice trailing off. I will meet them, and if I do not return, then be warned. And then you hear in the distance the brass doors closing shut. So did she did she know that we were there and viewing? Yes, How? she and Mabok did. You're still viewing him. No one's Oh no, I know, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curious. Okay. Yeah, that was apparent to Mick and the others. Okay. After the brass door shut, Rolandir addresses the group quietly. Well, I think I've seen quite enough. And he turns around and starts heading around to the other side of the uh hut. And you hear a voice. Hmm. This is almost impressive. I did not know that any of my companions could conjure such a spell. However, it is entirely possible that you have filled my place. It is of no consequence. I have one message for you. And I do this to honor our past companionship. Do not look for me. You will only be met with death. And with that, Vamak just waves his hand and the spell ends. I, I say, a determinably unpleasant fellow. <laughs> Looking for him, you say. Looks like he could use a nice big thwack on the side of the head. <laughs> Humility. This could be to our advantage, though. He does believe that it's still just Lyrian, Luca as well, and Reese. He doesn't know the rest of us are coming. All right. You think he would have taken that turn if he knew I was coming? <sighs> no respect. Kalnias steps forward and she's like, well, he may not know we're coming, but we certainly know that that woman, whoever it is, is coming for us. I, I didn't get a good look at her. Did anybody recognize the voice? No. Nope. I, uh, I assume not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know where okay. they were either. So that's, well, very interesting and good to know what this Vermock looks like. I can't say that I really understand. Uh, any more on what we should do than I did before. Now that I have seen him, I will be able to speak with him. I don't know if that is something that you want me to do necessarily, but it is an option. Well, I understand from our conversation that I think it is unlikely he will tell us his location. So unless you have some uh, fancy way to trick it out of him, I don't know how much good that would do. However, cast your mind upon some of the details that he spoke about. He 
The woman mentioned the northern tunnels. Does that mean anything to you, Val? Or Kelnius? Lorotz? No, of course not. I haven't lived on this planet for 800 years. It means nothing to me. <laughs> Does it mean anything to me, Ryan? <laughs> it, it doesn't. Okay. Would I know of any, um, like, excavations going on in Kinlands? Okay. <laughs> so many things. Saren pipes up at this point, and he says, It's very nice and well that we've been able to do this, but I don't think we've settled the matter at hand. It's all right. I can put your mind at ease. I'm staying with the group. And Saren just sort of resigns himself and nods his head and goes, Very well, if you think that's what's best. Vale changed our deal. Might as well do it back to him. Pray I do not alter it. (laughs) (laughs) From around the mud hut, Rolandir pops out quite pleased and there's a smile on his face as... You've noticed, you've never seen him smile this much, partially because he's been wearing a mask, but also just because <laughs> he's always had a bit of a gloomy disposition. Did you finally get over that constipation? <laughs> <laughs> a bit of fiber cleans you right out. I knew that was a good dinner. Let me Things give me a out. chunk. <laughs> Rolander does chuckle at that. He says, no, although... After your cooking, Lorotz, I wouldn't be surprised if I have quite the opposite effect. She's a one-star <laughs> review right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, Lyrian, I am most pleased that you have decided to stay. I think it would be, well, I would be remiss if you were not there when we found Vamok. It's at this point that you see a figure walking towards your camp, and it's a familiar figure. From. It's a from. <laughs> Um None of you had... Seemed to notice, but he had went out to take a walk to clear his head early in the morning. Efron approaches, looks at everybody standing outside, looks at everyone, and he gives a smile. My friends, I've had some time to think about things, and I think today will be a good day. I am sorry I missed whatever discussion happened here, but I've decided to look at the positive. Rhys has been returned to us, although in a somewhat different form. However, that will only help him navigate this world. And if he is a godborn, that will only help us in achieving our goals. He looks at Lyrian and he says, Lyrian, have you made a decision? Will you go to Mainstay or will you come with us? I'm coming with you. Very good. I am glad to hear it. However, we must be careful I do not think Vale will be especially pleased with this, but it would seem that our mission for now is in all our best interests, Vale's included. So, what did I miss? You know, you missed the most important thing. You said that it was a good day, and sir, I could not agree more. Today is truly a good day, and you missed breakfast! Here you go, young lad, you need a... You're such a skinny lad, I think I can see right through you. Here, take this. This will fill you up. Give you strength for the hike ahead. And he hands him the last, slightly dirt-covered, because this is the one that got knocked out of his hand. I knew it. The last wrap over to Fran. Look, I know this. I know there's a little bit. Someone here woke up on the wrong side of bed. And he ju- you know, he kind of chucks his head towards... Uh, Kilnias. Kilnias. And he kind of jerks his head over there. But don't worry. The dirt adds... Character! Here you go, lad. It'll fill you right up. I'm having two myself. You just see him. Shotgun one more. Thank you, Lerotz. 
That is quite kind of you. I will eat this with gratitude and perhaps a little bit of dirt. It is good. My great uncle always told me that it would put hair on my chest. <laughs> Weird uncle. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, lad, you could use some. Need to look like this. And he pulls on a full out <laughs> Gaston gas there and he's just like, Rah! <laughs> rips open his shirt. <laughs> Lerots, have we ever told you the tale of Massey? He was a man, a medic like myself. <laughs> we are not sure, though, what his true nature was, for he was hairier than any Americ man I have ever seen. <laughs> a man of character. Yes, he must have eaten quite a lot of dirt with his breakfast. Indeed. <laughs> Very well. Then, are we ready to get on our way? The day is not getting any younger. Yes, I believe that Val had a plan laid for us. Something did happen, Efron, which we can explain to you on the way, but we need to take care of this first. Very good. Right, so essentially uh, we will not be able to um, transport humans quite so easily through the Kinlands, um, but Kins themselves have no problem with mobility of any kind, so I think perhaps it would be best... Um, Depending on which of you you feel has the best grasp of Kinlish, Isabel, I don't think that you should really speak. But we can disguise ourselves as um, my family. I'm wishing in this moment that I actually had some siblings, which I have never thought I would want before. But here we are. Um, who feels confident-ish in their grasp of Kinlish today? Kelnius raises her hand and then she looks at it and shrugs and lowers it again because she realizes she doesn't need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were there when I spoke with Tekas. I do not believe it would be a good idea for me to be um, <laughs> speaking very much. So you may disguise me perhaps as an elder child. I am quite small already. And um, yes, I don't think I would pass for a very good uh, elder adult given my current size. Kelnias chuckles at this and she goes, <laughs> yes, I don't think you would make a very good Elvaret. However, a shy child, that I could play very well as Perhaps. shy children do not like to speak. Mick had a well enough grasp on the language, if I remember. You are correct. In fact, I, I feel a little confident today in my kinlish. We'll see how it pans out. All right. Anyone else? I can give it a shot. If you were willing to give me some extra lessons along the way, I think we can make it work. Sure. Yeah, of course. Saren's like, I don't think I'll be any good either. Uh, frankly, Saren, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, for that, it just shakes his head pretty wildly as Val's gaze passes over him. <laughs> all right. Mick, you are very good at handling your own disguises. Um, so give me just a moment. I think this will be yours. And I will... Well, well, Saren holds up his hand. He's like, wait, just one moment, though. We are traveling, yes, into the Kinlands, but right now we're still in human territory. And we're behind human lines. We're going to pass through a war zone before we see any kin. We're going to pass through human armies unless of course we're very careful and we pick our paths well and take all the more time to get through but just wanted to bring that up yes very very well saren and this is information that you should have volunteered earlier saren all right i can make us into soldiers then uh, well no 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 need to expend such things if i'm sure whatever magister's writ 
Relandir had can... I don't know. What what exactly would that give you passage for? Well, the way it was explained to me is it would get us through the gates of Threshold. I don't know if this will hold any weight once we pass into the battlefields. Oh, that's a bust. The military works entirely separate from any governmental forces, and especially magisters they don't concern themselves with. I, I don't know what to do. In fact, we might as well just disguise ourselves as a kin now and do our best to avoid them. Or what have you. And Saren just looks lost. You're going to have to tell me if this is possible, but using a minor illusion and another sheet of paper, would we be able to make a writ that says we have passage to the Kinlands? Who would you say it's from? Morden. The boss. It would look exactly... The boss. If the, the boss, boss says so. so. <laughs> if only you had a Kenku no, it on would, your team. It would look exactly the same as the writ that we already have, except for with different words. Yeah, but... Saren just said that the military is separate from governmental things, especially magisters. So Morden's word carries no weight. Oh, so a yeah. writ. So we need to know someone. So what, what was the point of using the writ before? The writ got us out of the threshold, city, which was I, under Morden's control. We should start digging down and maybe we'll get to the tunnels. So, no, my, my thing is, is why did he suggest that earlier? He said, what does the writ do? I don't think he knew that that was from Morden at that point. Oh, okay. Rolander offering his two cents chimes in well i of course will allow discussion from the group but i will say that i myself and it seems la Rotz has quite a bit of experience with military jargon behaviors rules i I, do, I would not put it past us that if we tried to act as soldiers until we met whatever threshold marks the barrier between human and kin lines we could pull it off, try to avoid distance, and should anything come up, we make our way through. Well, that's true. It's not the hardest thing, unfortunately. For the common soldier, there's basically two things you can guarantee. One, they're not fed enough. And two, they're not paid enough. With either one of these things, things should work out all right for us. Kelnius pipes up too and says, well, we're first likely to come upon any supply trains or command centers that may have been set up far from the front lines. Who and what we'll encounter, however, is beyond my understanding. Couldn't tell you. Does anyone know what the uniforms look like of fellow soldiers? Merlander turns to Saren. Well, you're the one going on about the military. I did used to serve, so I could maybe think of something, but this was a different regiment. In a different time. Anything, just describe it to me. And I'll I'll cast Minor Illusion and just, like, I can change this to fit. Like, are we close to an army right now? No, you haven't left your camp. So we're like, we're like an hour away from the Gates of Threshold, but not even begun our journey into. But the likelihood that we would encounter anyone else out here that was not associated with the military is highly unlikely, correct? Yes, it's in, it's a hundred percent unlikely <laughs> yeah so we need to be military humans right now well i have an idea like i said earlier i think we should go and just start making our way and once we encounter somebody we can deal with that then the only thing is finding a way to know beforehand before they realize who we are oh well there's a simple fix for that you have the archbishop don't you val i do yeah Perhaps she can take a look ahead and whatever company is coming towards us will determine what kind of um, 
disguise we need to put on. What do you say? I think that is a very good idea. Although I do not know that I will know. Should we copy their uniforms exactly? Should we encounter someone? Uh, I, I would not say so. I think we can pull it off easier saying that we are transferring to a different regiment and pass by. If we look exactly like a unit, we can easily get pulled in by someone of higher rank. They can pull authority, and then if we try to do anything out of line, we'll be punished, he says in quotes, but we'd have to get out anyways. So we will need a high-ranking officer with us, yes? Not necessarily, just enough wit and logic to convince someone that we need to get somewhere else urgently. Well, I don't want to toot my own horn, <laughs> but I have led a man or two on the glorious field of battle fighting, hand in hand, in victorious combat, I'm sure I could wrangle up something of a, a reason and a convincing urgency, should it become necessary. Do you speak Phyllish? Yes, I'm speaking it with you now. It's that really terrible <laughs> bad Phyllish. <laughs> Forgive me, Lerot, I I think that in matters of human armies, perhaps Rulandia will be a better suited for our leader. Well, I mean, you could always just say I wasn't a fell, but uh, in that case, you bring up a good point. Again, um, oh, you are rather smart, aren't you? Oh, indeed. Ah, <laughs> uh, Rulandia. You have military service, lad? Aye, sir. Practically born and raised. Well, in that case, you should be fine. Talk fast enough and they won't know what's happening. Don't want to be rude, but the common soldier is a bit dim. <laughs> Saren, uh, what are some names of the different regiment officers? I couldn't tell you, honestly. I could tell you ones from where I served up in Bastion, but that again, that was some time ago. And Hold on well, now. Perhaps, perhaps the solution to the problem of the uniform can also be the solution of the names. If we send the archbishop ahead, well, you can... See and hear through the Archbishop, is that correct? Yeah. Then perhaps you should listen in on a few conversations. Figure out who the men respect and who they fear. And should we need to, we can casually mention a few names. I think that would be a great idea. Rolander nods in agreement. Well, what are we waiting for? Well, Saren says, Larian, you did say ride? And he just gives you a quizzical look. <laughs> and Larian responds back, I'm glad you asked. And then... Lyrian says a couple of words in Elvish, and eight horses appear. Are these just like normal standard run-of-the-mill horses, or are they like ethereal <laughs> horses? Would you like riding horses or draft horses? Riding. Definitely riding horses. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I, the, the, the thing I was going for is, do they look like ghosty, misty things, or do they look like actual like regular horses? Because the rats were like light rats, right? Everything about them seems normal besides their eyes. And because you didn't ingest a lycle or anything of the sort, you will take three strain. Well, uh, seeing the weight the Toldus took on Lyrian goes and gives him a lighter than normal <laughs> heavy pat on the back. <laughs> so it's lighter than normal, but still heavy. So you didn't smack me into the horse. Yes, I didn't smack you into the horse, and he just says, Now that is the way to travel, lad. I like it. And he goes up to the nicest looking horse, and hops on. Call you lad. <laughs> lad too. We'll just say this. Uh, I made one specifically for Lorotz that was bigger. That's definitely the one he went to. Bigger <laughs> means better in his mind. Saren and Kalnies mount up as quick as possible. 
as does Rolandir. Val will do so and then um, just kind of glance around him and say, um, if someone could perhaps lead my horse, or I don't know if it will just follow Lyrian, but um, I will be both blind and deaf. So keep me on the right track, I suppose. <laughs> what are not Val, I'll take care of you. And you see him and he grabs the reins <laughs> and he has what could be, uh, well, it could be interpreted as a probably too nonchalant attitude toward uh, holding this horse on its track. Uh, on second thought, I'll take the reins. Um, maybe- oh, no, no, I couldn't let you do that. No, no, no. I, I'll, I'll take care of it. No, no, nobody's here. All right, Lorotz. You, you go ahead and take the horse. Val, why don't you ride with me? Oh, that, yeah, that would be a good idea. That was way smarter. So then you help Val up onto your horse, Lyrian. And your party is underway. How long do these horses last? So it's an hour, but I will cast the spell again to extend the duration. But one would say that would take more strain, unless he takes a light. I'll let you extend it if you want to expend another spell slot. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. Because after an hour's travel, even galloping along, you are not near anywhere that looks to be of any import. What has determined the direction that we're going? We're just going towards the Kinlands, Kinlands. So that's that's basically it, right? I think we at this point pointed yeah. our finger in the direction of smoke <laughs> and said, "There's the place." There. <laughs> okay, cool. Just just a curiosity. Okay. After the first hour passes, does Lyrian then renew this spell? Yes, he does. All right then. You will take another three strain. Okay, so Mick, upon seeing this, realizing that our fair friend actually didn't use a Lycle, I start galloping right next to Lyrian, and I go, this might help you in the next hour or two, and I give a Lycle to you. Yeah, because didn't you have like 12? Maybe. <laughs> Something she... around there, a lot. <laughs> I, I have... Maybe. So after... <laughs> so after giving that one, I now have eight left. So Yeah, I think he did have like 12. And then I took one and gave it to Reese when we went to uh, the Baron. Oh, so oh, yeah. you have a you have one still? No, I gave it to Reese. Okay. He used it. Okay, I give you another one then. So Lerotz is last in line. Does anyone during this two-hour gallop ever look back at him? No. no? <laughs> Val is blind, so no. Okay. Reese is probably doing a casual observation of everyone as they trot along. Well, anyone looking, they actually see Lerotz is back there. Um, any any particularly menacing uh, grass stalks get hewn down with his blade. He's kind of just having fun with it. Because <laughs> it's been a while since he's been in the real world and he was kind of in that deserty area the whole time. And that was kind of a bore. And so now he's got like a wide open space. You know, theoretically safe. We've got this good plan for setting stuff up. So yeah, he's feeling, he's feeling pretty good. So yeah, I'll just kind of occasionally he'll swing by one and he'll just kind of swoop down with his glaive and just... Maybe occasionally, like, sort of setting it up as if it were a um, lance, just for kicks. Just like, <laughs> <sighs> the good old days. Indeed. So, as you near the end of your second hour of travel, you actually are forced to come to a stop as you crest a hill and then come upon a small valley. And entering that valley, the terrain grows a bit difficult. The green grass that has been slowly giving way to sparser shrubbery is now completely gone, burned away, and the expanse of small trees and bushes that lay in front of you 
are completely burned and barren. There doesn't seem to be a very clear-cut path through here, but you do hear shouting from just over the horizon. Can I send the Archbishop to check it out? Yeah, my question was going to be, have you been in the Archbishop this whole time? Yes, for sure. Okay. So then as the party approaches here, you see the form of the Archbishop carry on above you and continue flying outward and onward. Val, what you see through her eyes is just devastation, desolation, a field of gray rock and stone and destruction, eventually coming upon what looks to be a path that's been hewn through this low brush and onward, maybe a few miles out, seems to be some sort of encampment where you hear shouting and hear the ringing and clanging of swords as soldiers go on through drills and marching. And in the distance, even further, with your owl eyes, over the next few hills, you see fires burning and just clouds and a sky full of smoke and more and more tents spattered throughout this burned forest. That seems bad. (laughs) Does this... Uh, encampment have an end? It goes on as far as the Archbishop can see. Holy shiz, how big is this army? (laughs) It's a thousand years war, so... Yeah, very, very big. I will drop hearing, but keep seeing, and I will relay this information to the party, and I will say, I can can send her to look further ahead, but I think perhaps, um, we are a little bit more out of our depths than we originally imagined. Oh, nonsense. We just go to the second plan. You know, well done, dear hair. Smart man, fine man. He'll be able to get us through. Just tell them you're a captain. Every idiot knows not to bother a captain. Val, what about this? Here's a proposal. I know your ability to use intent. Perhaps you can cast a image to divert their attention. The whole of them. Uh, what sort of image did you have in mind? Uh, unless that <laughs> image is an army, I don't think it's going to work. Yes, I'm quite interested to think what you what you imagined would distract thousands of human soldiers, Mick. More fire. I don't know. <laughs> Chuckling, Rolander uh, pipes up. Well, as interested as I would be, and quite honestly impressed to see that, I think potentially another question we could ask ourselves is how do we make uh, our, our party not be sighted? There are a couple of options for that. Um, I can cast invisibility, perhaps not on all of us, but some. Um, I do also... I, I can make something as large as a 20-foot cube. A sort, maybe. I don't know. Perhaps a combination of the two. But, but before we go too far down this road, there's no clear path around them, is there? Now, hang on just a moment. This is a large army. Do we think it would be that hard to blend in? Perhaps we could uh, procure some uniforms? From the quartermaster. Perhaps I go on ahead and say I am a messenger. And uh, I come up with a reason why we need some uniforms. They give us some. We put them on. We stroll through the camp. And perhaps Randir here says that he is our commander leading us to the other side of the camp. You know, that is not a bad idea. I only see one problem. Hmm. I do not think that uniform will fit me. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to make the same observation. I also think that, um, generally speaking, many of us will stand out 
even if we are wearing uniforms. Um, as long as I know what a uniform looks like, I can provide them for us. Very well. Then we have the Archbishop go ahead and she will see what the uniforms look like. Then you can cast your magic, Val, and we just blend in. We do not make us think about things. We do not draw attention to ourselves. We simply go through. If anyone asks us a question, Rolandir is commanding enough that he can give them their runaround. I think this is a good plan. We can use the remainder of the day to conduct some reconnaissance, gather information, as Efron had mentioned earlier. Perhaps the Archbishop can listen in, learn some of the more respected names, uh, feared names in the camp, even maybe better, and come nightfall, usually when the soldiers are allowed leave to parade around the camp as they will, we can trudge our way through. Less of a chance that we get stopped that way. Well, nightfall, Saren says, it's not going to be for a while. It's... I'd say barely past 11 in the morning. We're going to be waiting quite a while for that plan. No, it's fine. Why do we need to wait till nightfall? We can go now. I I only say that because typically if you are a wandering soldier during the day, you get dragged into drills and other jobs, but I am willing... No, no, but we will not be a wandering soldier. You see, we will be a small group. Lerots, what do you call a small group of soldiers? Well, I'd call us a squad, to be honest, but a I squad. guess you could say a platoon. <laughs> no, a squad is fine. It is okay. Does everybody know how to march in time? It is easy. You go one, two, one, two, one, two. Now, we do not mill about. We do not look purposeless. We go through. Relendir stands at our head. And we fall in line like soldiers. And we move with purpose. No one will stop us if we look like we are going somewhere important. Indeed, indeed, indeed. You know the mind of a soldier well. Not having been one, I presume. I know the mind of people. Hey, that's a good point. All you must do is look the part. Very well. Then I suggest we get a better idea of what we're dealing with. And he looks towards Val. Can you get a better look at those uniforms? I can give it a shot. Oh, wait. Is it possible to cast invisibility on a familiar? (laughs) I don't see why not. Okay, cool. I will resummon the Archbishop to me, and I will um, cast Invisibility on her, and then send her out. Okay. So that nobody's looking around like, why is an owl chilling in our camp at 11 a.m.? What's this freaking <laughs> owl doing? <laughs> so, why don't you tell me what the Archbishop's flight path is here? Ooh, okay. Um, I will send her towards the are the, the areas where they were practicing... Um, like doing drills and things are those close what what is closest i guess what's closest seems to be a series of command tents and then as you go further along there's where all the supplies are being brought in and then even further there are the drill yards that have been cleared out and then the common tents and then it's just the trees and tents and trees and tents and then trenches and fire cool Okay, first I'm going to send her to a command tent and then have her like land on the ground and kind of like hop inside because I would love to get an eyeball on what some commanding officer's uniforms look like and then maybe hang out in there depending on who is or is not around and then from there peek into the supply tents just to see what they're collecting and then go observe the soldiers who are practicing. As the archbishop touches down at the nearest command tent, the flap is slightly open and these two little imprints of owl feet trudge along quickly in the mud (laughs) and enter the tent. 
you see through her eyes an array of pikes and swords on different racks lined up against the walls, a few different tables and chairs in one corner, dozens of candles burning in different holders across the room, and a large desk near the end of the tent on top of a series of furs that make the place a little bit more livable. A man sits behind the desk, signing and scribbling missives, He seems to be in uniform for the most part. It's a simple reddish colored tunic on top of which is a heavy gambeson that is darker in color, a deep brown or even black. It seems that his armor, however, is on a stand just behind him. You see a sturdy steel breastplate, a bit of a chain skirt that's part of a larger hauberk, and then a set of pauldrons that go down about halfway to the elbow, and then a simple salad helm sitting atop it all. And through all of that observation, you get a pretty good idea of what a soldier's uniform might look like. The flap then whips open again, and a soldier walks in rather hurriedly, spraying mud over the rugs of fur and whatever else is in the way as he goes, possibly even on the archbishop. An invisible owl. (laughs) (laughs) And he puts down a scroll on the desk, and he says, Colonel Stronger, we are being pushed back on the northeastern front. We have to move immediately or we risk losing everything we've worked for. And this soldier that you have observed as of yet just sitting and writing takes in a deep breath and then starts to don his armor as this other soldier that barged in stands patiently waiting. Val, can you also have the Archbishop check out, like, the racial composition of the army? Is it all, like, fellish dudes? Yeah, because I don't want to be like, oh, we get everybody uniforms, but then everybody's like, what the heck is this American dude doing here? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No. Yeah, I was planning on, like, just gathering a general sense of, like, who, what do the officers look like? What do the, like, regular men look like? And then kind of giving us a smattering of that. The commanding officer that you're looking at right now who's donning his armor has a darker shade of skin. He seems to be Talik, whereas the man who came in looks fellish, you surmise? Or maybe same as what you masquerade as uh, fellish Talik mix? Okay, cool. And he addressed him as Colonel, correct? Correct. Okay. I'm trying to decide if I need to stay in here. It's going to take him a long time to put the armor on. I think I'll probably leave. <laughs> That's like a 10-minute process, right? Yeah, 10, 5, yeah. Well, Val will um, relay this information so far to the group. Not like what the uniform looks like, because they don't care. But that, and ask, do you think I should stay uh, in here, or do you want me to move on? I would say move on. For now, we have a decent enough cover story. If anybody stops us and asks, Colonel Stranga has ordered us to the northern front, was it? So, and then we keep moving. But yes, it would be good to get a general feel for the encampment. I think so as well. And I, perhaps this um, advancement towards the trenches might give us some sort of cover. While Val is kind of in this trance-like state, relaying the things he's seeing through the Archbishop, Relander feels like he has enough information to be able to go forward, and he tries to get Efron's attention to motion him kind of away from the rest of the group. You get it easily, and Efron moves over towards Rolandir. I almost said Reese, but the Reese that we know is dead. And it's not like we're trying, he's trying to hide from the rest of the party. You can still see him, but 
he's just you probably can't hear what he's saying so he pulls him aside I felt for a while ever since we've regrouped that I do need to tell you something I'm just not sure how and when I figured now's as good of a time as any he kind of checks over his shoulder and then he turns back around Sindor did tell me more than I initially led on about the nature of this being who has been organizing uh, who has been orchestrating all of these events I am not at liberty to say much more than that but I can say that we need to be very very careful on our path we have and he kind of catches himself I well I wanted you to know at least don't tell the others there are there could be consequences depending on how much is openly divulged but I need you to know as we go about this that and the others look up to you. Just be on your guard. Eyes are watching us closer than we think. I understand. Thank you for telling me this. I do have but a, a small question. Has Sindor bound you so that you cannot speak of these things? He has not. I I could if I wished it, but It is alright. And and you and you do see there like the normal quote unquote normal, normal since he's reappeared happiness and kind of this light that's in his eyes you can just see that it's been like completely dark like he is almost scared you would say like there's just an intensity about him that is completely different than who he now is it is all right reese randir whatever you wish to be called relander if if you would reese is a, a bygone name very good relander it is Simply that Reese is easier for me to pronounce. Yeah, yes. I... But I will respect your wishes. No problem. However, I went to clear my head this morning. And I decided that I did not want to hold on to any animosity. I did not want to feel the way that I was feeling. So I have decided to let any grievances that I may have thought up in my mind. I have decided to let them go. And I have decided to trust you. To trust all of you. So, if you say that there will be bad consequences if you divulge more information, then I believe you. And, if you ever need anything from me, if you need help, you can come to me. You just see this wave of calm and peace return to Rolandir. You kind of see that light come back into his eyes. (sighs) Thank you. I, I knew that what you have been through with us, through no fault of your own, mind you, has been excruciating and... For that, there should have been more debts to be owed to you. But, like I said, I do promise you from this point forth that any intention and any acts that we do from here on out will only be for the betterment of Egadon. And I thank you for your trust. And your brief respite is shattered by Kelnias's annoyed voice coming over the two of you, yelling, Could we get on with this? <laughs> We're ready to go if you two want to rejoin. Yes, of course. We will be right there, Kelnias. But please, the army is not going anywhere. Um, the owl begs to differ. I stand corrected. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) Rolander walks back. As does Efron. I think we have enough to carry on. Val, if you want to recall your little pet and get us suited up. Do I feel we have enough? (laughs) You tell me. (laughs) Oh. Kelnias thinks so. I mean, the army is like 
on the move right now, right? Part of them, right? It seems people are starting to move about. Yes. Okay. The drills are ending. The real stuff is about to begin. Okay. So I, I do think this would probably be a good time to move. So I will bring the Archbishop back and I will fit us up in some <laughs> lovely, lovely human disguises. Um, I will say that I will specifically make myself look like um, Valentine Eventide just in case someone like pulls... I don't know. Um, I, I need to identify us in some way. I will have papers for that. Great. But everybody else will just be like, whatever mix of humans I saw. And then I will make uh, Reese's or Rolandier's outfit a little a little nicer, a little more officerly. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty... Let me be less armorly. Yeah. Because it was, it, was pre- it was pretty snazzing. <laughs> does Mick look like Mick usually does? Talik man style? Yes, Mick will transform back into that, but if anybody's suspicious, I'll just say I put on my disguise kit. So then Leirotz, Lyrian, and Kalnies change form into human faces of varying backgrounds. Meanwhile, everyone sports armor of this army's common infantry, and except for Rolandir, who has a more officer's garb about him. Kalnies, who is still... Retains most of her facial features, but just in a fellish face now. Looks about and says, Well, I think now's a good time as ever to ditch the horses and move in. If we meet up with anyone, we've got our story, and let's get on with it, shall we? The sooner we get through this, the better. Very well. Let's get closer to the camp, and then we'll fall in marching orders. So then everyone falls in behind Relandir? Yeah. Yep. I will also um, dismiss the Archbishop because I don't think anybody in the army has an owl. You are wrong. That's actually a very, very common uh, common pet among the armies. Uh, they scratch up the eyes of the enemy. <laughs> oh, there's a whole owl brigade well, in the Fellish Army. there's so many owls because of all the, the field mice getting Indeed. into the food stores. And so they bring out the barn owls. <laughs> As you all press onward then, dismissing the horses and carrying on through this brush picking your way through until you eventually come to that wagon path. You begin marching, Relandir and Efron leading the way until you come to the camp proper, at which you pass by the command center that the archbishop had scouted out, just as this colonel, that valid scene, steps out of the tent, tightening some gloves and arm braces. And he peers to his left, sees your little group, and then calls out to Rolandir, Staff Sergeant, come here immediately. And Rolandir marches a few paces faster than the group, turns at a crisp angle, and walks towards him. Name? Staff Sergeant Agat. Agat. Hmm. Company? Three. <laughs> he gives you a, a strange look. <laughs> Rots <laughs> comes up behind him and gives him a chokehold. They named their they, that's how they named their companies. They, they just numbered them back in the, in the Rift Wardens. Who was your captain? I would be Captain Shrift. It does not matter anymore. You are in my brigade now. You are needed on the front. If you will come with me, yes, sir. Yes, yes. If you will come with me, <laughs> he's so eager. <laughs> he's so eager to serve. I appreciate your eagerness. But this is a grave matter. The kin are pushing forward, and we will do all we can. But your squad here will, if you do not mind, fall under my command for the immediate future. We serve with the pleasure, sir. Good. And he gives you a once-over as he's starting to walk, and you start to follow, and he says, 
Your armaments are strange, but we must use all we can. Are you ready for duty? Yes, sir. Then prepare yourselves. We go to war. 